Hey everyone, welcome back to another Right Way podcast. Boy, do we have a show for you today. So every week that we interview a guest, I always say how excited I am, and I genuinely am, but today's podcast guest is a personal hero and guru of mine, and I am so excited that you get to listen to the amazing wisdom and advice from the incomparable Caroline Kepnes. Now, if you are a an avid reader and love a little bit of the psychological suspense or thriller genre, then you might know a little thing or two about Caroline Kepnes. She is the New York Times bestselling author of the hit series, You!, which is now on Netflix, awaiting its third seasons. She's also written Hidden Bodies, Providence, and her latest, which drops today, congratulations, is called You Love Me, which is the third book in the You the you series. There will be a couple of more books after this third one. Her work has not only been translated into a multitude of languages and inspired the series adaptation of You, She graduated from Brown University. She worked as a pop culture journalist at Entertainment Weekly. She was a TV writer for a couple little, uh, you know, little shows called Seventh Heaven and The Secret Life of the American Teenager. Uh, She grew up in Cape Cod. She now lives in L.A. And this conversation is just so incredible. She's such a real person. She's so positive, so energetic, and has so much wisdom out there for the aspiring writer and for really just enjoying what it is that you do and being passionate and putting the story first instead of focusing so much on the end results, which is something I have to consistently (laughs) remind myself about. She is such a treat. I know you guys are going to love her as much as Joe and I did. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this incredible interview with the one and only Caroline Kepnes. Hey guys, welcome to Right Way, a podcast where we give you insight to make informed decisions about your writing career. I'm your host, Rhea Fry, multi-published author and CEO and founder of Right Way. And I'm Joe Tower, writer, media producer, and Right Way's executive editor. On this podcast, Rhea and I will take an inside look at the publishing industry with honest and straightforward shop talk. So when you do get published, you'll know exactly what to do the right way. Caroline, first of all, we're totally obsessed with you. <laughs> not not in the creepy Joe Goldberg way, but I specifically have been a fan of your work for years and your career is just something I personally would love to emulate on some capacity as a writer, but we appreciate you being here. And for those of our listeners who have been living under a rock and don't know who you are, <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about just right off the bat, your initial path to publication and where you started in your writing career. Well, I started writing short stories in high school. I mean, I always loved to write. And then I went to college and I took writing fiction workshops, playwriting workshops. And then I moved to New York and broke into what I call journalizing because I was working at Tiger Beat, 
(laughs) where there are no fact checkers. And then from there, I went to Entertainment Weekly. And at Entertainment Weekly, I got to interview a lot of amazing people. And then I was that person at that young age who would like turn off the tape recorder and hand them my spec script, you know? (laughs) Yes. I look back on things that we all do. Like, oh my God. And then I would go home and send the New Yorker a short story with 8,000 typos. Like you guys have, you know, here it is. But I love that though. And I, mean, and I feel like yeah. that, yeah, that persistence. Like I, I publish a lot of short stories online and I love short stories because you get to experiment with your voice and your style. And it's kind of like working in journalism where you file it and it's done and you move on and you can't go back, you know? Absolutely. So I've done a couple of things. I mean, they were all dark and weird. Mm-hmm. And I'd done this one story where this guy is just like, he, he's, he's not like Joe in the sense that he's just, he's not able to pass as normal, but mm-hmm. he's just breaking down in real time and, you know, murdering everyone. And that, <laughs> like that experience years later, um, I had written for television. I went from like journalism to TV writing for Seventh Heaven. Yes. yes. Talk about that for sure. <laughs> and Secret Life of the American Teenager. And then I made a short film that I, where I adapted one of my short stories. And that experience was wild because to start, I was like, this is simple. I'm just going to take the short story, pop it into final draft. And there we go. I mean, I changed so much and it was so tricky and it was, I got into enormous debt (laughs) and it's the reality of like dealing with locations and, you know, like when you write a story, that's it when you're on the page and it's the reader Mm -hmm. in the page when you make anything in that way. So naturally after that experience, um, a lot of things happened in my personal life and I wanted to squirrel away and write a book and like write the fuck out of it. Sorry yeah. if I'm swearing. Oh no, fuck. We, okay. We're a very, very openly fucking very. Uh, <laughs> expletive. <laughs> That's like, what I thought, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, so then I, I dove into it. I channeled all of my my rage and my like sadness at losing my dad into Mm. inventing this new character, this new man, this new voice in my head to give my family a laugh and stop myself from going crazier. Uh, Yes. Yeah. I mean, let's, we have to talk about you obviously, um, which is, uh, you know, uh, an incredible book series, but now an incredible uh, Netflix series going into season three, right? Uh, yes. Yes. Can't um, <laughs> but you've also published other books. What do you think it, it was or is still about this world, this story, this book that has re- that resonates so deeply with the public? Well, I think that I mean, when the book was first published, even before and early readers were reading it, I was stunned because my friends and family had that connection to it. Like they were mm-hmm. like, "Why do I like being in this guy's head? Why do oh, I love this? Yes. Why do I want more?" Mm-hmm. So then. The book came out and I had this inmate, like this intense, you know, like obsessed readership that made me so happy. And the show started as a similar thing, like this little book club on crack with Greg Berlanti <laughs> and Sarah Gamble, who sat there and like loved the book and held it in their hands and were dying to bring it to life. And I feel like I think there's something about getting into someone's head where it's unfiltered in this moment where we have access to so many filters. And that was a big part of my drive writing. It's like, well, here is what we don't see, like this exaggerated blown up version of the very opposite of someone kind of show, you know, presenting themselves. And yet Mm -hmm. he's also getting by in real life, you know, and using the social network for antisocial purposes. And when they went to sell the show, I thought this was brilliant. 
I remember Greg saying that like, they'd go to these meetings and he'd look online and he'd be able to walk into the room and say to the executive, now your kid goes to this school and last night you had dinner with this person. It's like the way we are all these sick little stalkers. Yeah, oh, yeah, like totally, that. totally. And yeah, and so I think in so much writing, like you're taking something that we all do and then exploring the dark side of it, you know? Absolutely. Something that's kind of become... the bright side and I love the bright side too, but when yeah. it comes to making stuff, I love me that dark side. <laughs> I love that idea of taking like some kind of cultural touchstone that's been totally normalized and being like yeah but if you look at it under this microscope oh, it's, it's so totally crazy. fucking crazy <laughs> yes and and for me especially like I wrote the first book when I was I, I still live here but living in LA and I remember this day I was writing and I'm at a coffee shop with the headphones and I take them off and there are these two people next to me and they're talking in that you know how some people are hushed and some people speak in that pr presentation way like they were probably <laughs> in some kind of a meeting so I can hear every word and I'm sitting there Googling and I know by the end of it, I'm just like, I know everything about both of you and there's something really wrong with this. And there's something wrong with so you for knowing that I can hear you. There's something wrong with me for like procrastinating by investigating your lives for no purpose, but Truly. just because I can. And that's what fascinates me about it. It makes the skin crawl, makes my heartbeat all the oh, and Also it's interesting, oh, sorry. It's interesting because there's something endemic about LA. I feel like <laughs> at, in every coffee shop, there's at least one table where they're yes. having a very presentational <laughs> conversation. <laughs> yes, it's so true, yes. <laughs> well, Joe and I talk about that all the time too, because we, you know, we don't really use social media for our business or even for our podcast that much. And I talk about it all the time, like having a child and how weird, you know, what weird insight this, that we've all become voyeurs and that we can mm -hmm. really access anything about anyone. If you Google my daughter, she's eight, like there are images of her as a baby, you know, that pop up on Google. And I'm just like, this is, this is so, so creepy, which lends itself perfectly to fiction, but in real yeah. life can, mm -hmm. can be a little bit creepy. But when you sat down to first write this book, did you know that it would be a series or did you actually write it as a standalone first? I was writing as a standalone and then halfway through, I was already like, oh my God, I'm not, you know, I'm not done. Like I, I want to go on and on and on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's amazing. And I got a two book deal and they were like, what else would you like to write? I'm like, yeah, I want to write a sequel. And they're like, okay, but you can write something else. I'm like, no, no, no I want to write a sequel. So they were okay with that. See, that's so, so interesting to me because so many publishers are like, nope, don't want, don't want a sequel, don't want a series, but yes, that... and I mean, and I get where they're coming from because sure. you, know, you just don't know if something is going to connect. Like basically the book came out in September of 2014 mm -hmm. and it wasn't an automatic hit by no means, but I had this, I had my core readers. It was all very exciting and wonderful. And then Stephen King tweeted about it in December and that like suddenly, you know, there were more people reading it. And then yeah. it was like this, you know, it was this slowly growing thing. And I feel like that's my experience with books too. Like, I don't know about you guys, but so many books I'll buy and I don't pick them up for a while oh, or sure. I'll start to read it and it's not the moment. And then at some point I read it and I'm like, oh my God, I love this. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I'm like, it's, it's so particular to books that way. Absolutely. And, yeah. Which which have you enjoyed more writing writing books or or, be, or being involved or or working on the series? What do you what what form do you think is bringing the most value out of your out of this property? Well, for me, like I love writing the books and I love the freedom 
in a book, you can go anywhere. Like you can go to Little Compton, Rhode Island. You can go to the water. You can mm -hmm. go all over. And there are no restraints as there are in TV. So it's like, of course, things change in the show and they're magical at being able to like adapt and, you know, use their circumstances. But for me with this character, it was such, it started as such a book with me that I feel very attached to that writing experience. And I love the attachment that readers have. So with season one, the timing was such that like, I'd finished You and, Bo you and Hidden Bodies a few years ago. And I was like in this free spot. So when they invited me to write an episode, I was like, oh my God, yes. But then in the second season, you know, the show, like the show had gone crazy. I get to write more Joe books. And I'm like, I can't be in both worlds at once. Yeah. So I got to like be in this world where, also in where I feel like I get to flex. And like, yeah. I remember when I wrote my episode and it was like, he's on a bus. He's at a restaurant. He's here. And it's like, you can't go to all those places in an episode. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> That's too many location shoots. Yes. Um, are you, so you are involved with, have you been involved with each season so far in some way, writing either an episode or are you in the writer's room or? In season one, I was in the writer's room for my episode. And now it's more like with season three, I went in, I think about a year ago and I told them about You Love Me. And we talk and I sit in there all day and just like, blah, blah, blah. But it's also at that point in like the book wasn't done yet. So I'm like all over the place, like, oh, and this happens and that happens and that happens. And then the books, like the end of season two and the end of Hidden Bodies are so different that it's like the two different paths are pretty established, but they're mm -hmm. bringing him somewhere similar to where he goes and you love me, but mm -hmm. uh, I'm like, I like creative freedom. Like I'm like, you guys run yes. with it because you're running it and it's your brains and yep. your imagination and I'm running with my books. And yeah, I think that, that makes, that means everybody's happy. So and, are you happy with, I'm sorry, Ria, I'm just curious. Are you happy with how, uh, how things have turned out with, with the show? Oh yes. I, I mean, I, I, when you see the reaction to it, to me, that's like phenomenal and there's crack in there, you know, yes. like there's, <laughs> It's that's like, that's a whole other world of magic. And I feel very like proud that my books are the source of this. That's like mind blowing to me, you know, like I'll never really get used to that because when you write and you have this little toy that you're playing with, it's like first other people read it and they're playing with it. And now there's to have a human being attached and be known as Joe is just wild. <laughs> it's so, and I want to talk about that a little bit because, you know, so many writers aspire to have that happen, but a lot of people don't know how film options or movie deals work in general. They, they assume right. like, oh, if your book gets optioned, like the show or the movie will definitely get made, which is often, <laughs> quite often not the case. But can you talk about how that deal or that option happened for you? Oh, yes. I mean, with Greg and Sarah, first we were at Showtime. And it was development right. and I was very excited, but I live here and I know this business. So I understood that like, this doesn't mean that there will be a show. Like I know how hard it is to make that happen. And, but I'm a believer in like celebrating every part of the process. And I say that to friends when they get that option and they immediately go into like, but who knows? I'm like, you know what? You got that option. You like celebrate that, have a glass of champagne. That means something like it does. Right. And then Showtime. We, there were some creative differences. So we went over to Lifetime and that was great. Like everyone there was just like balls to the wall, excited about it. And I remember like in the summer before we were coming out, we're doing all these events. I'm from Cape Cod, I'm on the beach. There's a plane in the air with a banner that's like, you Netflix, I'm sorry, oh, you Lifetime. Oh my God, amazing. And it's so exciting. And then it airs and it was on Sunday nights and the numbers, you know, they, they weren't enough 
for you know what a network needs and I was like but I'm it's sort of like going back to that first principle that you celebrate every stage I'm like this is a show it's a beautiful show I'm thrilled and then they did this magical work with Netflix where it goes over there and I mean then it was crazy like it drops after Christmas and suddenly it's that thing trending on Twitter and I'm like Mm -hmm. this is so bizarre because I was so happy that it existed you know what I mean and that we'd had all these wonderful events. We'd had all this joy. Everyone involved was so great and so happy. So it's crazy to have like another, a second life. You know, I, that's what I love about it. And then it gives your books a second life, like more life. So that's, and that for me is the, you know, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, Now you made the comment that you, you know, being in LA and like you were a TV writer. So you sort of knew how things worked or you, you know, you knew the, the, the kind of process of development uh, in, in television, uh, you wrote for seventh heaven and the secret life of the American teenager. How did being a TV writer kind of color and affect, um, like the writer that you are now, or how did it affect your, your career as a book writer, as a, as an author? Yeah, absolutely. It did because I've always loved TV and I felt guilty about watching too much TV and at entertainment weekly, I was in the TV department. So like my favorite assignment was they get, they sent me, you know, totally dating myself. (laughs) They sent me this giant box of VHS tapes and it was the entire first season (laughs) of 24. Yes. (laughs) Like time before binging. And I was like, this is my job to stay up for 24 hours and track how many cigarettes I smoke and what I eat as I watch this show. (laughs) And it's crazy to me that this is now what people do normally. And yes. years after that, I was in a bar in LA and it's like, it was like one of those extreme LA moments. Keeper Sutherland is there. And I'm like, oh my God, like I'm the one who I wrote, I watched 24 and wrote about it. He was like, that's, was you like, how much cocaine did you do? I'm like, no, but like, that's the most Keeper Sutherland thing to say. Oh my God. <laughs> he watched no. his, he watched himself on 24 right. on cocaine for <laughs> sure. <laughs> so for me, like, because I love that addictive can't stop quality that absolutely played into my writing, you know, cause mm-hmm. I, that I like writing like Santino Fontana, who does my audiobooks. We did this thing last week and he was talking about how the writing is so colloquial. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, because I tried to write books before and for whatever reason in, in short stories, I was myself. But then I'd write a book and I'd be like, it was raining that night. And, you know, like, and it was like, Jesus, that's not me. And I'm like, just be your addictive, watches too many movies, listen, you know, reads too much, think, you know, absorbs too much self and write your book, you know, like as yourself and not come from a place of shame about that, but try and incorporate it into the writing. And I love that. So, I mean, taking that into consideration and just your background and all of that, if someone doesn't come from that background or they haven't written for TV, but they really, really want to see their book, you know, made into a television show or a movie of some sort, do you have any advice on where to start? Or if there's anything a writer can do, say they're published, they have a film agent, their books are being shopped. Is there anything a writer can do to move the process along or take some kind of control? Because as you know, as authors, we can kind of feel like our hands are tied at times or things aren't in our control. So in your experience, is there anything an author can do to kind of put themselves in the driver's seat? I think so. If you're like, you need that, the book to film agent part of it, and then to reach out to people, like that's part of the good part of social networking, that it's possible. Like I'll hear from people all the time 
who I know a little bit who are dealing with this. And I love getting that message and like, here's my two cents, you know? So I feel like absolutely reach out to people and then look up those producers, read interviews with them, find out what you can. And then when it comes to it, like go into it with a collaborative spirit. Like that's my belief. Like you have to feel like these are people that love your book and these are creative people that want to make something. So they want to create. So I'm a part, like I just embrace change, if that makes sense. Yes. And I feel like I, I'm someone like, I don't, like I love the shining the book and I love the shining the movie. And I just put them in two different places of love, you know? But on a practical level, I feel like it's for some people, if you want to write it yourself, it's a great thing. Like you can write that, that adaptation, you can have that writer's draft. And then that you can, is there when you want to show it to people. But then if they have some writer who's like an expert TV writer who has the ability to sell like that, you know what I mean? And who has a track Mm -hmm. record, consider the possibility that it might be better for your work if someone who is so good at that wants to do that, you know? So I think across the board, it's always about being collaborative and thinking the same way when you're writing a book you know, you cut a scene, you love it, but you're like, this doesn't belong in the book or it doesn't Mm -hmm. move the story. So I feel like it's having that belief, the work, the work, the work, the way that you feel about your book, the people working on the show, on the movie, that's how they feel about what they're doing. So honor, honor that part of it. And then in the stalkery way, like, let's say that there's a book you read and you love and you find out that it's being optioned, like go do your digging and find out everything you can. And then you never know who knows who, you know? Can you, uh, can you get give us a little um, maybe peek behind the scenes at the process of script to screen, or are there any lessons maybe that you learned uh, writing scripts versus writing prose that you think kind of are are really critical to making either either form more successful? I do. Yes, I think in prose, like it's a slow seduction that depending on like the nature of your book that you're you're luring someone in in the beginning and right now especially in shows it tends to be more like crack off the bat so mm-hmm. for me like the first season like that was a similar quality with my first book and the first episode of the show and then in a book like in in my book this is a character to me the bottom line is it's about loneliness so he's spending a lot of time alone in his head and one of the first things that I understood about the adaptation was that you, you're watching something. So by nature, you're going to need to watch him doing things. So think mm-hmm. a lot about what are these people doing on screen? What is the viewer watching them do? Like in the first book, they added a character, Paco, that wonderful kid who's like the mm-hmm. nicest kid in the world. Because in the book, Joe is talking to typewriters. Right. <laughs> you know, like he's like long conversations with them and they have names. And I love that like as a reader and readers love that. But in a show, I understood why they wanted in order for the reader to connect with this character, it was important for them to show him with a human. So I think be open to those kinds of changes. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and be thinking about the difference between those mediums. Absolutely. And that, yeah, that a reading is just you and the page it's the final product, but the show, anything visual is just so much more complicated with elements of music and that. So it's, that's a big part of the exciting process. You know, I remember talking to the director and he's talking about lenses and I'm like, 
I don't speak this language. He's like, I'm <laughs> trying to say that it's going to feel like reading your book. So that's when I, I felt so good. And everyone involved had that spirit, you know, for me, like it's atmosphere more than like, but on page 33 in chapter seven, this happens. I'm like, the book is the movie you can always watch in your head and you always will. And then, then there's this other realm, this other creation. Well, and in that way, though, it is, like you said before, it is important to be open, to be collaborative, but it's also critical that you find the right people to be collaborative with. Yes. Who can translate the language of the book into a similar language uh, in the visual media. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in that way, it's that spirit, like, of knowing like in the room that Greg would be like in chapter 36, I'm like, I don't know what chapter 36 is, <laughs> two years ago, like. <laughs> Completely. Oh, well, yeah. let's talk about the newest book uh, in this incredible series, You Love Me. Um, can you tell us a bit about the book? Yes, I can. Well, we when we left off with Joe in Hidden okay. Bodies, wanting to have a daughter and being in prison and wanting to get out and be free, and as is always, like I give him what he what I wants and what he wants, and I don't. So this book <laughs> finds him like the benefit of all of that Quinn money is that he got out. But the dark side of all that Quinn family money is that they kicked him out. So he's mm. now in Bainbridge Island, feeling very sorry for himself, insta stalking love, separated from his child. I love when he's in ultimate like poor me mode in ways <laughs> that are factually, you know hard uh -huh. like anyone who has a child and it's, it's taken away is going to be upset so in this condition he meets this librarian and for me I wanted to put him with someone who's gen x someone who comes off as so grounded like a genuine reader because we've seen him deal with younger girls and it's always a goldilocks situation you know of like now he's going to set his sights on someone who seems like a more reasonable partner but of course like part of her being grounded turns out to be that she is very grounded and attached. And he now it's Joe versus the family as an institution, as an obstacle, oh, wow. as a frustration of her friends, of whether he wants to make friends with them or kill them, you know, <laughs> but also because he's been through the system. And on the one hand, he knows that he's a free man because the justice system is so unfair he no longer has that get out of jail free card. So he is in a really new place that we haven't seen him where he's very aware that he cannot get caught. So it's this combination of meeting someone who not only makes him want to like be the best the way that someone you could really love does, but also he fucking can't go casually killing people. Yeah. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> is, this, is this the final book? No, All I right. mean, I'm so, so happy next? that Random House ordered two more books. So yes. I've been on the next book. Yes. Oh, that is okay. So is that, let me ask you ab about that as a writer, because is that just like so fun for you or is it kind of paralyzing in a way to have to stick with, you know, this character and these stories? I mean, do you write anything else on the side outside of that or do you fully immerse yourself in- Joe's world. I do like all, like I wrote over, uh, the, a couple of months ago, I just, I wrote a pilot cause I was like, I want to write something violently yeah. different. Like I have all this nervous energy. I'd written that first draft of before I needed to do something else. And then I have a short story coming out in an anthology later this year. So I wrote that. I like those, you know, those tiny little projects, like 
that give my brain a break from this because it's both fun and thrilling. Like, oh my God, two more books. But then it's like anything you're like, oh my God, I got to do this. I got to pull this off for 800 more pages. Like, and you know, this is a lot. Yeah. Like, oh my God. (laughs) So it's like, and then I just read a lot, you know, that helps. I feel like reading, it always reminds me that like, it's kind of the way writing is the cure for writing. Reading is the cure for anxiety about writing. Absolutely. So with, with this launch, because it launches in April, um, how will you handle this? Is, is it going to be all virtual? Is it in person? Um, have you, cause you didn't launch, you didn't launch during COVID, right? I didn't No, This is my first launch. Oh, so yeah, you're going to get to come to the wonderful world. (laughs) launching during COVID, but yeah. How will you approach this? I mean, this isn't your first rodeo. You've definitely put out books before you have an established readership. So what will that look like for you right now? It looks like it's my first digital rodeo. And I'm just that person who's like Googling, what is a ring light? And then last (laughs) I have have this event later today and it's at four o'clock my time. Last night, my mom's like, so it's, you know, at seven tomorrow. And I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm, oh, I'm telling her that it's at one o'clock my time. And we have this, you know, it's book anxiety. So I'm like a little like short tempered, like mom, no, it's at one o'clock, one o'clock, one o'clock. And then I look at my website and it also says a different time. And then I look it up and I'm wrong. Cause I'm oh. dealing with like my book launched in the UK today. So, and then it's in Australia next week. So I'm dealing with all these time zones. I'm a disorganized person by nature here it's been a year where we're all like laughing about how we don't know what day it is what time oh yeah and I'm like now I'm supposed to fucking know now your time zones like do you have an outside publicist who helps you with all of this or are you doing this with your internal team or like how do you approach the publicity side I have publicists at each publishing house and they're all great and I haven't ever like I haven't, I didn't want to hire someone outside of it because I love them individually and it's all going well. And also, especially at a time like this, when everything is virtual, you know, and I'm like, I knew it would be like a lot anyway. And I, and then I love the work that they're doing and yes. Hey guys, it's Joe here. Just popping in real quick, right in the middle of this incredible interview with Caroline Kepnes. Um, I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, Rhea and I certainly did, uh, but I just want to give you a heads up about some great things that are going to be happening on the Right Way website and with the Right Way newsletter, which is now um, going to be coming out on Sundays. Um, So we want to encourage you to go to our website, www.rightwayco.com, and sign up for the newsletter. We're going to be giving away um, a lot of great freebies. We're going to be giving away some premium content, uh, tips, tricks, hacks, um, resource guides, all kinds of great stuff we're going to be packing into this new Sunday newsletter. And we just want to make sure that you all out there who are listening to the podcast, um, following us on social media, uh, aspiring writers who want to become published authors have the best and clearest access to that. We're going to put a link in the show notes uh, for today's episode, but go ahead and uh, you can just go right to the website, rightwayco, W-R-I-T-E-W-A-Y-C-O.com. And there's uh, you can click the link and go right to the newsletter, or you can even go to rightwayco.com slash hashtag anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R. Take it right to the form to fill it out. We don't take any of your information. You opt in, you can cancel anytime, but you get that weekly, the weekly good stuff from, uh, from Rhea and myself and all of us here at Right Way. Um, just want to make sure that we are doing our level best to give you 
all of the tools we can uh, to become totally self-sufficient writers. Best of luck out there, and uh, let's get back to the episode. Cool. Okay, so can you take us through a typical writing day for you? You're obviously a full-time writer, which again, which is what so many of us kind of strive for, but do you write every day? Do you write in seasons? Like kind of take us through a typical day. It tends to be that my like real writing season, like I'm such a dorky kid at heart. I like school and I feel like I tend to finish things in the fall, like in the summer I write and then I, it gets more and more intense as it gets colder, you know? Like, mm-hmm. and then, so right now I'm doing a lot of thinking where I'm like waking up, looking at the draft, making notes. Like I open the notepad, I'm like scribbling this. I wanna do that, I wanna do that. And then when I'm in the writing, in olden times, I would wake up, go to the coffee shop, get that kind of burst of human interaction and go home, write, print out pages, go to another coffee shop, mark them up, go yeah. home, not be able to read my handwriting, realize that's a sign that like, you know, I need to do some more work and try and have goals every day of like, for me, it's like maybe two chapters and starting a third or sometimes one chapter and starting a second. So, and it varies, but I get into this extreme mode that helps me a lot because of the journalist in me, I think, and like loving deadlines where I make these count in my phone. I'm like, okay, today it's 21, 22, 23. Tomorrow it's 23, 24. Next day, 24, 25, 26. And then you're giving yourself great procrastination work because yes. day, <laughs> one day you do less. Then what do you have to do? You have to go into each day in the calendar and edit them all. And I, I like giving myself those parameters. Like even again, like it doesn't mean that you meet that deadline. And some days, like it's a tweet. I see a lot from smart people that like today, the word count isn't there, but I figured something out. So yeah. give yourself a pat on the back and remember that like this writer, the Swedish writer, Denise Runberg once said, like her kids would say, mommy, you said you're writing and you're staring. She's like, this is mommy's staring time. This is mommy's writing time. It doesn't always look like the image of the person at the typewriter clicking away madly. Like that's absolutely a part of it, but the thinking can never, ever be underestimated. Oh my God. Mm. We talk about that all the time. I mean, I get most work done when I'm processing. I go out on my walks without my phone and just like figure shit out like that. I think that is so important and we're so bombarded with information all day long that it's hard to like carve that time for yourself. And in Um, that way, like, I feel like the grass is always greener, but I remember like always writing over the years with a job. And I remember reading really young when I was young about Rick Moody, how he was waking up at five every day because he had a day job. And that kind of energy is so great. So for me as a full-time writer, I'm always trying to get that kind of energy back. Absolutely. Like you're always trying to like make things the way they aren't, you know? So this year has been crazy because to wake up every day, like, there's nothing. Nope. <laughs> I could not write. I could do all kinds of things. I could watch the client list again. Like, oh my God, completely. <laughs> one, one more question around that. Are you, because you're such a seasoned writer, are you a plotter or a pantser at this point? Um, I I'm both. I really am yeah. both. Like I like to make that, I like that playground for me. I'm an endings person. So I kind of make up that ending in my head, see it, feel it, know it, like hear it, like want it. And then I'm like, now I have to earn it and figure out why. And then that's the plotting part. And then sometimes I go, I get down on myself, like, well, why that ending? Why? Like what, you know, Absolutely. (laughs) maybe change that. So then I like that struggle that happens between trying to figure out why do you want to do this? Or why am I so attached to this? And then realizing 
two drafts later, oh, that's what I was trying to do, you know? And now I know how to do it. Like, I'm, sure. a, I'm more than anything, I'm a rewriter, I guess. Yes. Yeah. So, so many authors um, want to become bestsellers these days, uh, have their books read worldwide, uh, dozens of other languages. Um, and it's such like a, a level of success that that seems relatively unattainable. As as a writer that has that level of success, what do you attribute it to? Is it is it the work? Is it the timing? Is it the team? Is there luck involved? Where where do you where do you put your um, your your gratitude for for your success? I do put my gratitude everywhere. I really think that it's a like it's a it's a swirling pot of everything you just mentioned. Like I. I feel like you write the book that you want to read, the book that you feel only you can write. That's just for me, my favorite writing advice, you know, and you put yourself into it and that looks different for everyone. So if what you want to write is, you know, an absolute something that you know where it goes on the shelf, then you go and do it and you read a ton of those books and you do it the best you can. If you want to write your weird self, you cross your fingers and do it and understand that it might not work, you know? So you decide, you know, what you really want and then for me, like I, when my book was out in September of 2014, I was enamored, thrilled, like just flat, like wonder struck to have all of these readers. It didn't mean that I was a bestseller. I wasn't on the list and I didn't make the New York times list until I'm think early 2020. No, early. Oh God. I'm so bad at the, it what is it now? That, it's 2021. It? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Early 2020. And that was after season two of you hit Netflix. And yeah. it wasn't with my second book. It was with my first book. So I like to remind people that, you know, in this world where we're, we're all about things that are new, like once you write a book, once you make anything, it exists mm -hmm. and it's always possible for it to exist and have life and have connection with people because yeah, I like, I've had that personal experience and I love that. And I think that there's so much pressure put on people like here's that release date. You know what I mean? Oh my God. So and it's much. just like, yeah. my friend Zara Lisbon, who's one, a great writer, a great person, but she was funny yesterday. She said when her book came out, she went into a library and how most people are like, congratulations in the library and said, your book just came out. Are you okay? <laughs> exactly. No, that's a great question. I think there's, you, you might not have experienced this, but I always think there's like kind of this post-launch blues that happens like it's kind of yeah. all this fanfare and then it's like just kind of crickets I mean because I think they're I remember when my my debut came out in 2018 not her daughter like literally week one they're like have you made the list yet what do oh. you like how many be sold uh I got a movie option like when's it when's the, like when's the tv show coming out when's the feature film coming out I mean constant expectations that I was having to manage with other people in addition to my own and it it kind mm. of put me into a slump afterwards yes yes like, oh. absolutely because when you, when people ask those questions and I don't know, but, and I, I don't know about you, but you're like, but there are these pages here that I like, you know, that I lost sleep for. And I worked so hard on, and so many people proofread and copy edited and said things like, well, if she's walking down the steps, then this conversation has to have more steps. Cause it goes longer than those steps would go. You're like, I worked so hard on this thing. And it's like, this is, this is the book. And yeah. And I've just like, I don't know. I, I think that you got to feel like so happy for your book to be out in the world and yes. to separate, to, to separate that. And remember that 
a book, there's someone out there holding your book and reading it and having the time of their lives. And that you don't always necessarily know everyone that's reading your book either. Like that's another thing I think that makes it challenging with social media. Like I've gone to book clubs where nobody's on the internet at all, you know? And it's fascinating to me to remind myself that like, yeah, it's not all there. Like a lot of people are reading books, telling someone else about it and they're not necessarily tweeting about them, you know? So to remember that that reading experience you made that possible for people and yay for that. Exactly. It's not always about results or sales or what's happening next. What are you working on next? What are you working on next? It's like, you know, just letting it breathe and be and exist in the world, I think is yeah. so special and so overlooked. Um, so true. And then with any list, like it's, you know, you can't be, and I think too, that it's not good motivation. You know what exactly. I mean? Because oh yeah. It's the opposite. Like you were writing, you want to be doing it for yourself, for the work, yes. like not for an external motivation because you know how it is as a writer. Like you got to sit there for hours and you got to be into this thing, you know? Uh, yeah, <laughs> totally do. So if you were just approaching publishing today, like you wanted, you have, you don't have a book out yet. You want to get published, um, in today's crazy world, where would you start? Do you think, would you follow the same path or would you do it differently with all of, you know, the changes in publishing that are happening and, you know, less and less bookstores, people buying books from bookstores. Like, do you think you'd go down that traditional path or would you do something different? Um, I, I, you know, I, I would do what I did, which is go to writer friends who I think of as people that know more than me and ask for their help and their guidance, you know? And then I think that the answers that I would get now would, might be different, you know, and some of them might be the same, but in that way, I feel like there, right now there are more avenues and I don't, I, I don't know a lot about all the avenues, but I know that they're out there mm-hmm. and I would learn as much as I could and then see what feels right and go with my gut and pursue and, you know, all of that. Amazing. I love that. Is yeah. there uh, any piece of advice that you might give to newer midlist authors who really want that shot at being a lead title for a big house? Wow. Um, gosh, I, I would say to, to like take a breath and put that shot on a, like a little outside of yourself and separate it from your work Mm -hmm. and try not to connect those things and try to focus on your readers, your work. You know what I mean? Because that's the way I've always felt like I, I love the people that are connecting with my books. Anyone alive wishes, you know, it'd be so fun if everyone all over the world, it's what you were saying before that like, you know, that, that quiet after the book comes out, you know, and you're like, you mean there's not a parade in every city? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. My book didn't change the world. Like everyone's still out there doing stuff. Oh my God. (laughs) So like put that expectation in a separate it from your creative expectations you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like and also to start writing writing something else because no matter what you're gonna want to write another book like hopefully that's the that writing is going to make you want to write more you know so that to me is the best advice like to to keep it about the writing because you cannot control the outside world you cannot walk into the publishing house and say bitch I'm number one I wish somebody. Although, <laughs> I mean, they're literally closed right now because of COVID. But yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Totally. <laughs> Good point. 
Oh my God. Um, so we love to kind of wrap these interviews up with our little lightning round. So we're just going to ask you a series of questions. You kind of say the first thing that pops into your head. Yes. Go from there. All, All right, right, cool. Uh, best moment as a published author. Um, the Steve, the Stephen King tweet that I got, oh, it was, yeah. yeah, it was because it, I mean, it was, the, you know, I'll, I won't go on, but it was a couple of months after publication when I was in it's Christmas and I had the flu and I'm in the mall, like trying to buy presents and sneezing. And it was a really nice lift at a really nice time. <laughs> uh, most important thing you've learned on your path to publication. That the book is never going to be perfect. So calm down and one page at a time, one oh, part boy. of it. Yeah. I love that. Favorite thing to do when you're not working? Oh, right now, watch TV. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else to do? I don't know. <laughs> Seriously. Well, I see other people. Like, I remember la I did a puzzle last year. And yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck was that? Like, when it all yeah. started, we were all like, yeah, I'm going to learn how to bake bread. Oh, yeah. Completely. I'm just like, I never baked a loaf of bread. Not <laughs> the whole fucking time. Um, what's, what's one thing that you wish all writers knew? Um, that, oh, oh God, that's a good one. Um, that you are your best reader if you let yourself be really honest with yourself and, and read your stuff really critically and really lovingly, you know, mm -hmm. but let that little, the, let the contention that you have kind of support you and use it wisely. Oh, that's amazing. Love it. If you weren't a writer, you'd be Clarice Starling. Yeah, yeah. there it is. There it is. Love it. Uh, what do you want your legacy to be? Um, I I would love that these books are like a relic of this time that people are still interested in years from now when things are absolutely very different. That's would be my dream if people are reading them and thinking and seeing how life was. Yes. Wine or beer? Vodka. There Ooh, vodka, we go. Yes. yes. <laughs> fiction or nonfiction? Fiction and nonfiction. That's what, yeah. I mean, uh -huh. yeah. Sorry. So tough. <laughs> Impossible questions. Uh, what is the best book you read in 2020? Ooh, well, I'm, I, I can't ever pick one. I, I just re finished Red Widow by Alma Katsu mm. and she was a CIA. She's just one of the most fascinating people. I love all of her books. She blows my mind because each one is so fucking specific and unique. You talk about someone who can write like different things and, yeah. it, and this one, like, yeah, I mean, I love The Hunger. I love the deep and she that came out during the pandemic. And I feel like so many writers with books out in 2020 got that screw job. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yes. So yeah, I can't, I want to point people to her books. I think she's phenomenal. And when you read her books, like if you had your Amakatsu week, you'd be like, this woman wrote these three books. How? Yeah. Yeah. What types of writing would you like to see more of in the world? Oh, wow. Um, well, I would like to see more more stories about this, like when you said before about how we're intaking so much information, I always like when that part of the psychic challenge is a part of the story. Mm -hmm. You know, I would mm -hmm. like to see more stories about how we have this ability and this pressure to communicate and respond. Like oh. I think of something like the way that our brains react, like when David Bowie 
isn't, you know, when you find out he died and you cry, it's like, it's possible to make a public statement about it. And that's right. just to me that like, I'm private by nature. Yes. And I would like to see stories about like, and I feel like there are stories that are dealing with this too, like, but about what, what it's, what the private people are doing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Completely. Who is one author you think everyone should read? Oh, Lisa Tadeo. Ooh. Yeah. Love it. I nice. just, I'm like, I just got her new book today. I'm very excited. But Three Women is one of those books yes. I thought was right. Like yes. <laughs> I was like down at the coffee shop, holding it up, like reading to it, annoying yep. the shit out of everyone. But like, yeah, like <laughs> yeah I was reading, I, that gave me like heartbeats. Also a book that I feel like I wish, a, another good example of like, it ain't all about the list. Um, Ponyo Giannopoulos has this story collection, how to get into our house and where we keep the money. It's one mm. of my favorite LA books Ooh. of all time. Great title too. Yes, isn't it? And I love oh. this book. I love these stories and it's out there. And I, th I think he's an amazing writer. Awesome. Oh, awesome. Also uh, Bruce Wagner. Bruce Wagner, yeah. All right. right? I, I, Bruce yeah. Wagner, but you got to watch out because I read Bruce Wagner and I'm like, I should I should stop. Like, Oh God, I, I, yeah. I know I bother. <laughs> <laughs> Completely. Well, Caroline, this has been incredible. Um, before... Um, before we end, is there anything else maybe that you want our listeners to know and or, and we'll put it in the show notes, where can they find out more about you and your work? Well, they have, I haven't, my website is all refurbished and it has links to everything because as I've learned, I will often tweet the wrong date, the wrong time. <laughs> so, so now there's this place with this woman who's very good at this, <laughs> who's putting it all there. And yes, and I can't remember the other part of the question. <laughs> Oh, is there anything you want our listeners to know? Oh, that I'm I'm so excited for everyone to read this book or everyone who wants to, to read this book and to, I hope that it gets good conversations, good laughs, and I hope it makes you feel better that something oh. about time in this dark mind is helpful after this dark year. Love it. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. This really was. I mean, my God. <laughs> And everybody watch season three of you on Netflix for the yes. love of God. I, I I'm like counting down the day. An air date. And if I did, I probably wouldn't be able to say it. And I'd be nervous That's about right. it. That's right. Yes. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, but it's coming. Yes. Fair enough. It's on the way. Yes. <laughs> hey, thanks again for listening to the Right Way Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and comment, and help us continue to deliver the content you want and need. And for more information about RightWay, visit rightwayco.com to get more info on all our editorial and developmental services, and sign up for our weekly newsletter, where we'll be sharing exclusive content, access to digital courses, and offering proprietary resources for aspiring and established writers. 